This is Michigan's with your hosts, Spencer Brown, Stephen Hers, and Stephen Paradise. Now, welcome to the Michigan's podcast. Welcome to the second Michigan's podcast. We are back and better than ever, which candidly says more about the past than the future, but we are we're here. We've gotten our feedback. We've got a new name, some new material, and I want to welcome my co-host. We've decided we're all co-host, Stephen Hers. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. And we're going to go with Hersey on this. Sounds great. Excellent. And Stephen Paradise, welcome back. Thank you, Spencer. Glad to be here. We're going to go with Dice or Dice Man. Either one works. All right. I'm going to stick with Spencer since I'm the only one. Let's start off. Uh, you know what's what's on our mind, and what's on my mind this week is. Kind of the, the Jack Nicholson, you know, we can't handle the truth. And Time Magazine announced its person of the year, and it's Angela Merkel, who, you know, had a nice year. But I went through my year without thinking a whole lot about her. I think, you know, how Donald Trump is not the person of the year, you know, is beyond me. Dominates the news every day, has completely dominated the presidential primaries. Probably is going to have a big say in who's the next free, the, free leader of the world, leader of the free world, also <clears throat> known as. And it's like time's thinking. We can't handle the truth about Trump. Uh, you know, Spence, uh, first of all, I'll start with who cares what Time Magazine says? Is it even relevant anymore? I think the, the, the circulation of Time Magazine is roughly 1% of the United States population. So I'm not sure it's really relevant to many people other than those who were born in the 60s or before that. But- yeah, like us. But I think the, the relevance is it's almost like, you know, in the past, you know, Adolf Hitler, man of the year, Stalin, man of the year. Now Trump, who's not Hitler or Stalin, I don't want to say that. They, they just feel like they can't go there because he said very controversial things. Well, I also think they don't want him to be our next president, and it's clearly an attempt to minimize his effect on the populace. It's just endemic. You, it's just like, you know, Johnny can't handle the truth that he lost, so he gets the participation award. This, think, is, this is a national <clears throat> participation award. They can't give it to the winner. They're going to give it to a participant. You think Time Magazine has influence over who the next president of the United States is going to be? But let's let's go back to Angela Merkel quickly. She had a decent year. Please, her let's name see. She's Angela. She, Angela. Angela Merkel. Greece. She solved the bailout of Greece. Solved avoided, the bailout. Greece, Greece is about to go bankrupt again. Perhaps the bailout. Avoid, avoided maybe the the next the, the greatest depression since the Great One in 1929. In she, your in your various travels of of the party circuit and the people you hobnob with in New York as a uh, Upper East Side liberal, has the name Angela Merkel ever been anyone mentioned or anyone said a thing about her? It is not. Okay. No, she's not really someone I hear in my circles. But but, but going on what you said, everywhere you read in the New York Times, nobody thinks Donald Trump has a chance to be our next president, and I think. That's preposterous. The guy's been leading now for almost six months. He's up by 22 points. I think he's going to win the nomination. It might take 36 ballots. We haven't seen anything like this since James Garfield was elected in 1880. But Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. And that didn't work out so well for James Garfield. But we can't handle the truth. That's, that's what's on my mind. What's on your mind this week? What's on my mind right now is I believe there is a war on Hanukkah going on. And I don't think it's in... uh, (laughs) Who's waging this war? Well, I think it's the same anti-religionist fascists who are waging the same war on Christmas. And I don't think it's a primary war on Hanukkah, but Hanukkah is basically like the uh, shrapnel damage of the war on Christmas. And and the combatants in the war are... (laughs) Again, the the anti-religionist left wing who want to take God out of all parts of society. Have you gotten with Rush Limbaugh on this? Not at all. I, I see it. I see it myself. I, no, what I mean is, have you engaged Rush Limbaugh to fight the battle on the other side of the war on Hanukkah? 
I mean, very few people are going to take up the cause of the war on Hanukkah because it's, again, like I said, it's a it's secondary corollary damage. of It's really a war on Christmas. Yeah, there really aren't that many people fighting for Hanukkah, if you think about it in the scheme of the things. The Maccabees are long dead, so <laughs> nobody's paying attention to it. But it's part of a bigger issue in our society. I mean, to me, the holiday, and we're going back a little bit, that's really, you know, taking it in the shorts, if you will, is Thanksgiving. I mean, we all celebrate it's everybody's favorite holiday, but Christmas, we start looking at, you know, right after Halloween – and uh, Thanksgiving's forgotten. The stores are open. I think Thanksgiving's the one that's really, you know, and it's an ecumenical holiday. I don't understand it. Yeah, and I would say. But, but uh, interesting. I've, I'm going to take, uh, I mean, it's over. But next year, look for the war on Hanukkah. And I don't see what, it's a Pyrrhic victory for those who are fighting against Hanukkah because I don't know really what they're going to achieve. I'm well, going to go out on a limb, too, and say that, that you're the only person, maybe in the city, <laughs> that that's what's on their mind this week is the war on Hanukkah. But that's good. Well, I'd like to, that's be, good. I'd like to be ahead of the curve here. That's good. <laughs> I'm giving people 363 days to get ready for the next war. On for the war to waste. You're, you're a brave man, and I wish you luck in your in your battle on behalf of Hanukkah. Dice man, what's on your mind? I'm thinking about Mitt Romney. Really? The, I am. We're looking forward to our. I don't know what is it. The fifth, sixth, seventh uh, Republican debate tonight, and I'm thinking to myself, going back four years, the first Republican that Stephen Paradise has ever voted for in a presidential election, Mitt Romney. And it's too bad he made that. I think ill-advised comment about the 46% because if Mitt Romney could have beaten Barack Obama four years ago, we wouldn't even be talking about Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and the rest of this, this crew of misfits in my mind. Uh, he made a great call on, on Russia. He said Russia is our number one geopolit- geopolitical foe. Obama laughed at him. Obama made a great slick one-liner at the time. But turn around and look and see who's our number one geopolitical foe as a country, putting ISIS and Islamic jihadism to the side. It's, it's Vladimir Putin and Russia. So it's a good point. I, I, I hate to admit I agree with the guy. I think a country would be a lot better off if Mitt Romney was our president. But I don't think that 47% slip was really the death knell. I, I don't think he had a chance to beat uh, an incoming sitting president at the time. Perhaps. Spence? Not a lot of people thinking about Mitt Romney. I can't say that I'm one of them uh, either. I would have preferred him over Obama, but ran a terrible campaign. I think that was symbolic of the campaign. And uh, President Trump. But for Mitt Romney, no President Trump. Yep. We'll see about that. I don't think Donald Trump wants to be president. How about that? I think there is a school of thought uh, that he's just going to say the most outlandish thing till it knocks him out of the race. It's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit where I can see Trump going back and talking to his people, whoever they are, and saying, can you believe I said this and they're still supporting me? And it's going to keep on going and keep on going. And one day he's going to find himself in a position where he has to quit. Well, you may be right, but the craziest thing is, is that now people seem to think Ted Cruz is the sane choice. So... We've come a long way. This guy like tried to shut down the whole country. He's about as rigid as uh, fighting with you is, Stephen Paradise. So I, I can't believe we're at a point now where Ted Cruz is the is the, considered the adult in the room. And let's not forget the unfortunate thing of all of this is Hillary Clinton is sitting there and laughing all the way to the bank because if Donald Trump is her is her opponent in uh, November of 2016, um, I think Hillary's going to win pretty easily. How about Ted Cruz, Hillary? Ted Cruz? Uh, I think she'd have a pretty easy time with him as well. I, I would agree with you. I, I actually think Trump has a much better chance than Ted Cruz. I, I think that Ted Cruz, I think he will be the leading delegate getter going into whatever the convention is, but the, the party, such as it exists, will not let him get the nomination. Ted Cruz. I, I really think it's going to be a broker convention if Ted Cruz is actually leading in terms of delegates. And is it possible that my friend Mitt Romney may reappear? I've heard, I, I think it's possible Paul Ryan could be the candidate. I have to say about Paul Ryan, the beard and all the rest. He's been very impressive so far, so in, his, far? in his stewardship as the Speaker of the House of Representatives. So far. So maybe that's a good lead. And first of all, uh, I want to just note that we do have a live studio audience today. So that's uh, 
That's a first for our second podcast. And also briefly thank our sponsor. Uh, last week it was Glenn Livett. This week's show is sponsored by Bud Light. So thank you to the folks at Anheuser-Busch who probably don't realize they're sponsoring this podcast, but they're helping us along. And, and, so, and, and to InBev. And to InBev, of course. And so, uh, you know, from Paul Ryan, let's, let's talk about uh, the person of the week. Stephen Herz. Herzy, who's, who's your person of the week? Well, I was going to go with Jonathan. And by the way, the week can go back to our last podcast. Give me a few weeks. Well, I was going to go with Jonathan Pollard, who is the uh, you know the the only spy in history to uh, serve thirty years in a maximum security prison and a potential combatant in the war on Hanukkah. He might be exactly, <laughs> but I'm changing my opinion to another uh, famous uh, man of the tribe, Sheldon Adelson. Sheldon Adelson. To me, he is the man that controls the Republican nomination. He's about to make his uh, financial backing choice. Apparently, uh, after tonight, the debate is in the Venetian Hotel. And I think if he chooses Donald Trump, game over. Is that I, – I would think that – I always thought he was a supporter of uh, Marco Rubio. Well, he's supporting a guy it's who's polling at about, about 8 or 9% right now. Interesting. He, I mean, do you want to put your, your, your money on a horse that's in ninth place or you want to put your money on the horse that's going to be winning? Another thing about Sheldon Anderson, I'm sure he's on the side of the righteous in the war on Hanukkah. Absolutely. The war on Hanukkah is a consistent theme. Who's your, your person of the week? I'm going to go with uh, Bo Bergdahl. Bo Bergdahl. Yes, Bo Bergdahl. And I think of the adage, when you're in a hole, stop digging. This guy was set to get a, basically a slap on the wrist for his desertion and the, and the uh, harm. Uh, uh, alleged desertion. Yes, please. The alleged desertion. And he Your goes attorney. off and, and goes on to a, uh, a podcast and decides to tell everybody about his great thoughts uh, as to what motivated him back in the day. And I'm not uh, dismissing for a second the terrible things he went through. He did bring them on himself to some degree. But I think that he's now finding himself facing a court martial. And I'm thinking to myself, how stupid can one person be? So you're, he's your person of the week, and, and this is the time that you don't think is relevant definition of person, for better or worse, not because he deserted, but because he's doing a podcast about his alleged, by the way, desertion? Because of the fact that he had a situation where he should have quit while he was behind. And I think that the fact that he's now finding himself on the front page of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and everything else, and the Army has now decided to pro- prosecute him for a full court-martial – I think it's a, it's, a, it's a teaching moment for those of us who find ourselves in trouble and say, let's, let's, again, let's quit while we're behind. Let's not dig ourselves any deeper into a hole. Yeah, first, I'm not so sure he was behind. I mean, first of all, he didn't desert. I don't think they're going to be able to prove that in a court martial. He, he didn't knowingly desert his unit. If you listen to the podcast on Serial, I don't think that's been every provable. Secondly, let's also think about how few desertions there are. I mean, 12.3% of the entire army deserted in the War of 1812, 10% in the uh, Mexican-American War, so many desertions in the Civil War, 40,000 in World War II. We have just a handful of desertions. You barely ever hear of it. So why are we really bothering to use taxpayer money to go after Bo Bergdahl? Yeah, I'm reminded of of Stalin's quote that one desertion is a tragedy— 12,000 in your case is a statistic. That's correct. I, I love when you, you quote know, Stalin. Yes, uh, which doesn't happen that often. Do you have the new 2016 uh, Stalin uh, cal- quote of year of calendar quotes? Yeah, the calendar has come out yet. Yes. Well, I, anyway, I, I think Bo Bergdahl is, uh, is someone we shouldn't be spending a lot of time on. I'd rather go after a private Chelsea Manning who uh, used uh, gave up state secrets and then became a woman or whatever he or she is now. I mean, for me, I'm happy that the Army is, uh, is court-martialing him because I think it's important that this be brought out in a, in a trial. But 
here's a guy that, that volunteered that was out in Afghanistan. I mean, I've never, never volunteered, never served, never been in Afghanistan. So before I'm going to label him a traitor or deserter, I want to hear what the Army has to say. So but if he's converted— To, to if me, he's- this is about— the army, you know, let's call it, uh, sending a message to their commander in chief. Okay, fair enough. He served five years in uh, in detainment, solitary confinement in an Iraqi prison. If he's convicted, do you think he should get time served for what he did in the Iraqi prison? Yeah, did he not pay his punishment or enough already? Is that, that's what I'm asking. I think it was a Taliban prison, but yeah, I don't. But think it's a, in, it's, listen, nobody, nobody for I'm a sorry, second, Afghani nobody for a second, especially not me, is this, is discounting for a second what he went through or his his choosing. I mean, having watched Midnight Express, I'm going to guess it was a, it was tough service. No, he, but hey, you, he, you know. he definitely he definitely paid a significant price for his own actions, and whether he deserted or not, he left his base without leave, caused a massive search, deploying deploying many many soldiers who could have been doing better things with their time to go in a search for Bo Bergdahl. And but that's not your problem with him. Your problem with correct. him is now he's on a podcast talking my, my about My problem it? with him is he should, have, he should have taken the slap on the wrist and moved on. He's now brought more attention on himself, which is maybe what he wants. Sounds like the guy's a little delusional. Yeah, I'm not so sure he's dealing with yeah, all 52. I mean, he, he's, he's a fan of Ayn Rand, which, which I have been at various times in my life, I must confess. But he thought he was like John Galt. And the real question is... Who is, is John Galt? Yeah, who is John Galt? You, nice. You, beat me to, you, stepped nice. On my, you stepped on my line there, Thank Steve, you for right? our Ayn Rand fans. I but I'll, I'll forgive you for that. All right, uh, interesting. So, so who's your who's your person of the week, Spencer? My person of the week's a little a little more pedestrian, but it's uh, it's Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, and and he's my person of the week because he is perpetuating the charade about Pete Rose. Came out with a completely nonsensical statement today, banning Pete Rose from baseball, which I understand and and somewhat agree with. Uh, not that there was any chance that Pete Rose was ever going to be admitted into baseball again. This is all about the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous that they've banned this guy for 25-plus years. He's the hit leader of all time. And for, for him to come out with this statement basically saying, banned from baseball on the one hand, on the other hand, totally encourages the Hall of Fame to relook at the issue, knowing that they can't do that if he's banned from baseball. He is my hypocrite of the week and therefore my man of the week. I, I don't think that's entirely accurate because I think the Hall of Fame can do what they want to do. 20-something years ago, they decided to make it uh, the fact that if you were banned from baseball, you were not eligible for Hall of Fame. But one of the criteria for, for admission to the Hall of Fame is, is th- that you play the game with integrity and that you show integrity. Like, so, Gay, like Gaylord Perry kind of integrity or... Yeah, like that kind of integrity. Yeah, a, Listen, I think on merits, nobody's going to By the dispute. way, he did play the game with integrity. He might have bet on his integrity uh, now and then, but he did play the uh, game with l- integrity. Nobody's going to dispute. And listen, I'm not a Pete Rose fan. Uh, I was a Mets fan as a kid. I saw the fight with Bud Harrelson on TV. I understand, Spencer, you might have been at the game. I was at that game. That's I think Steve might have been too young to remember this, but at the time, I was no fan of uh, Pete Rose. And in fact, as a young associate at, at Wilkie Farr and Gallagher, I actually worked on the case against wow. Pete Rose. But that's all beside the point. I don't think anybody disputes that he should be in the Hall of Fame. And even Rob Manfred tried to say today in his words that, hey, this doesn't reflect at all on the way he played the game of baseball. So I think it's really up to the Hall of Fame to do the right thing. Well, let's, let's, let's remember, he's not being banned because of the way he played the game. He's banned because while he was a manager, he bet on his own team. So I'm sooner to forgive Bo Bergdahl than I am Pete Rose. <laughs> Unforgivable sin. <laughs> well, so not in the Hall of Fame? Not in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame? Not in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame? Not in the Hall of Fame. Now, why aren't those guys in the Hall of Fame? They use steroids. And therefore, never been never been proven, of course, in the case of Barry Bonds. Well, or in the case of Roger Clemens. 
Well, they should be court-martialed along with <laughs> yeah, right. Private Bergdahl. Listen, get I, to the bottom of this. I know what they I should not do is they should not do two things. They shouldn't do a podcast <laughs> or or engage in the war on Hanukkah. I think there is a difference between Pete Rose, Barry Bonds, and, and Roger Clemens. Let's assume that Barry Bonds did use steroids. He was great before he used them, but let's put that to the side. The fact is that Pete Rose didn't do anything to cheat in the game of baseball. So his statistics are his statistics. Bonds and Clemens, you can't say that about. Here's what, what Al Gore would call an inconvenient truth. When And let's just assume that they did. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and all these other guys used steroids. It was, A, not against the rules of baseball. B, as far as we know, they've never failed a drug test. So to me, this is – it's retroactive punishment. People don't like it, and it may not have been the way we want them to play the game, but it was fine. Legal, you know, not you know, fine. You know, to be honest with you – And by the way, they haven't stripped their records. Lance Armstrong cheated, and Lance Armstrong is not the Tour de France winner. These guys still hold all their records. I don't get it. Listen, I, I, I've been to Cooperstown. I'll probably go back with my son. If, you know, if Barry Bonds gets in and Pete Rose and they're right next to Nap Lajoui and Cap Anson, it's fine with me. I don't feel that strongly about this. You know, it, it doesn't really make a big difference one way or another. I think what happened to Bo Bergdahl, much more significant for our country. As, I, I would think, that, I was gonna hark back, I'm going to hark back for a second to our last podcast and compare it to Woodrow Wilson. I think the school should be named after him, but there's other less intrusive means you can take to recognize the fact that he was not a perfect or he's a flawed person. And let's face it, who amongst us is not flawed? But the fact is, I do think Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame. And for that matter, I think Barry Bonds does as well, as does Clemens. Um, well, I, I spent the last week researching Woodrow Wilson after, uh, and he was the first president born in the antebellum South. So let's give the guy a break. Guy's born in Virginia near a plantation. You got to judge people by their own standards. Or about you're saying judge them by in, the standards in, in, of the time. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that too. So wow, uh, wait a second. That was unanimous that was consensus. Right. No, consensus. It's not going to sell. It's not going to sell a lot of listeners, but it's nice to agree once in a while. All right. Well, let's see if we can agree on this because we're. Uh, this is an abridged version of uh, of Michigas today. So let's go to our alphabet city and Steve. What's uh, Steve Hers? Hersey. What do you got? Well, I I do uh, want to apologize, Spencer. I'm going to steal something that you and I talked about. Appropriate. Um, which is global warming, and uh, it. it it's it's 72 out right now, I believe. Or, here we go. Uh, you're stealing this from me, but let's just keep the okay, record straight. I, I'm Milton Berle of the podcast here. But, you know, today I read somewhere that um, six out of ten Republican uh, primary voters do not believe in global warming. And I happened to have a meeting at work, and somebody was lamenting uh, global warming, climate change. And one of the things they said that would happen is the country of Micronesia might sink. And my thought is you know what, I'm really sorry for Micronesia, but can't we just move the Micronesians? And I don't want to, last week I tried not to offend the Turkish listeners. This week, I really don't want to offend anyone who's Micronesian. Where, where do the Micronesians, I'm going to admit to not being familiar with where they reside. It's a South Pacific uh, strip of islands. Uh, you know, it's probably a neighboring Palau. I know another country. I, I have a more important question about the Micronesians. Where do they stand in the war on Hanukkah? They're actually uh, very against it. Okay. <laughs> they are. Okay, so they get wiped out. My point is... Is, is there that, a point buried in here? The point <laughs> is, is that we, we, as a country, we have a lot of problems. We have uh, potentially, uh, some would say, Islamic uh, fascism is the, is the big problem. But our president is talking about the major problem is, is global warming. And I just think he's misappropriating his priorities. If, if we have, you know, 82 degrees in December, we can all live. But if, you know, you have school sh- – the, the city of Los Angeles closed its schools today. I thought you were going in an entirely different direction here because in prior conversations we've had, I thought you agreed that global warming was a problem. But that's the beauty of Steve I didn't Hurst, think it was the biggest ladies problem. Ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's- I, well, I, my topic, Spence, and WTF is the fact that I'm walking around today at lunchtime and nobody has a coat on. 
some people have short sleeves on in December 15th. You know what they call that? Yeah. A nice day. Yeah, it is a nice day. And by the way, the dinosaurs once roamed the earth. Did, did, did humans I think it's frightening make that, them I think it's frightening that not a single candidate on the stage tonight, if asked, would, would agree that global warming's a problem at all. Let's, say, let's rank it, Steve. Is it ranked in the top 5, 10, 20? They wouldn't say it's a problem at all. And the next thing they're going to be debating is, was Copernicus right or was he wrong? Does the, does the earth... Uh, what did he say? <laughs> Wasn't that Galileo? Does, no, it was Copernicus. Does the Earth? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm having problems with this. Yeah, yeah the, a little bit. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was whether the Earth rotated around the Sun yeah, or the Sun rotated exactly. around the Earth. Exactly, and, and and maybe with the well, Republican to Tom Friedman, the, the maybe world the Republic- is flat. What about the what Democrats? What would the Republicans say about that? Democrats. Democrats aside from demagoguing the issue, it's I mean, not demagoguing the issue. Republicans yeah, don't is. believe in science. They, Let's face they, the facts. Donald Trump does, but he'll say what he needs to say. What about the Democrats? They don't believe in genetically modified organisms, even though they wear shirts made out of cotton that eradicated the boll weevil. I mean, come on, be fair. Both parties are anti-science. So your position on, on global warming as your WTF is what? Well, Just I think that, that I don't, I don't, listen, I know that we can all think about ourselves and it's probably not going to affect any of us uh, in our lifetimes, but I think that we have a serious problem in, in, in our midst and it's, and it's global warming. I'm not saying it's the number one problem facing me today. I mean, I have much bigger problems than that. Like, how am I going to pay for my kids to go to college? Do you find it ironic that they had a, a, an accord of global warming, the, the world's number one problem in Paris, just a few weeks after the, the, the shootings? Why are they mutually exclusive? Is it only, we, can, we can only focus on one thing at a time? Our president so we can is, only focus all of our attention and energy at this moment on Islamic jihadism, and we have to ignore everything else that's going on in the world? It'd be a nice thing. I don't know. I think our leaders can multitask. It'd be a good thing to prioritize, not though, as, right? Not as, uh, don't you think we should bring this one to the I, top? I, I, think, I think it is being prioritized to a certain degree. But the biggest problem we have there is we can't get our act straight. Again, we have Russia, our biggest geopolitical foe, as Mitt Romney so uh, accurately predicted four years ago, has its own agenda. We have an agenda. Saudi Arabia has an agenda. Iran has an agenda. France has an agenda. That's the problem. We got to get these, these, our countries have to get together on that issue. And they are working on it. Well, I mean, when you have a leader that wants to lead from behind, I think it's hard to get everybody on the same page. Well, you're They're not, out in front. I'm not fighting for Barack Obama here. I'm not suggesting that Barack Obama is, is doing the right things when it comes to leading the world in the fight against Islamic jihadism. Thank you for that admission. <laughs> Well, I feel like my alphabets are, are, are probably in order here because mine was uh, FWIW for what it's worth. And since we've gone from global warming to, uh, to terrorism, the fact that for what it's worth, I love Ron Rivera, the coach of the, uh, the Carolina Panthers. And granted, what he did this week may pale in comparison to our president and, and the, the people out in Paris. But the Panthers up 38 nothing. Game winding down. Falcons, I think it was fourth down they could score. And he is leading his team like it is fourth down with the game on the line, with the playoffs on the line. And that's the way you go at this. They're going to go at this and go 16-0. It's not going to be like the Pansy Colts a few years ago. They're not analyzing whether there's going to be too much pressure if we go 16-0. we got to save it for the playoffs. He is going for it. He's a member of the 85 Bears. And I think that's what I like to see, a guy that's tackling challenges, that's out there leading from the front not from behind, that's calling it what it is. They're undefeated. They're proud of it. For what it's worth, Ron Rivera is a guy that I admire. I admire him as well. If uh, Cam Newton gets hurt in the next couple of weeks, we'll see how much we all admire him. But I'll talk about another guy that's just like that, Bill Belichick. And if there was one guy in this world who I'd want to be president of the United States who doesn't have any background in politics, that's the guy I'd choose. Well, it's interesting. If we want to do more alphabet, WTF. I mean, I'm watching the, the Patriots game the other day. They've got a punt block. They get interception back. But he's sending – I mean, you're talking about uh, risking. They're sending Tom Brady on, like, quarterback routes where he's running 30 yards. He pulls a hammy. The season's over. I didn't really get – I mean, far be it for me to criticize him. But that was a WTF in my mind. I agree. Can I, can I make one point about the NFL here since we're in an NFL theme? 
Can we think about one thing for what it's worth? The depends, NFL, depends what it is. The NFL <laughs> is the biggest brand in the world, Agreed. maybe with the exception of Apple. They are the biggest business. They dominate every sport. Can you imagine that they allow their games to be judged by guys that are working you know, as steel workers and lawyers and God knows what all week long? That would be the equivalent of, well, let's make the Supreme Court into part-time workers who don't do this six other days of the week. I mean, how have they allowed their officiating and how do they get away with having it as a part-time job and be so bad at it? And, it, and it's also probably the most difficult sport to officiate. Right. It's, it's insane to me. Would you have the guy calling balls and strikes at the seventh game of the World Series? Uh, Stephen Paradise will be tonight's umpire. We just decided to pluck him out of obscurity here. That's what the NFL is doing. Well, what should they be doing the other six days? I mean, they only play one game a week. Well, how about training these guys the other six days of the week? Maybe do a college game the day before. Maybe high school games. Maybe have them in seminars. I mean, we have our NASA pilots or our, our Air Force pilots in flight simulators. What about NFL simulators? These guys are awful. Do we not agree on that? Uh, the refereeing has been an issue this year. I think the the play uh, the rule book's too complicated. I do too. And I'm, I'm think, not so and, sure. And, and I think it's incredibly difficult. You do too. What? I agree that the that the officiating rule book the rule book is too complicated for anybody. No, for think, for these guys, are there any uh, in a country of 305 million people? Do you not think that we can find 32 or actually 15 great quality referees who could be full time in their jobs? I think we can. I, I agree with you, but I'm not so sure the fact that they've got other jobs is, is the yeah. reason, but I'd need a little more data on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Spencer. I mean, do you like the one. baseball umpiring? Much they better all, than the all, NFL referees. Steven? I, I'm with you on that. I don't, I don't think that's, that's one. I, I certainly, that might be a little bit of a bigger problem than global warming these days, but I think it falls pretty far down on the list. I just think this global warming is overblown. I mean, I, I really do. Of course you do. <laughs> of course I do. Do you have but, enough but, data to tell me that why was there an ice age during the time of the dinosaurs? Tell me. Uh, there are scientists who have the data, and every person who's a recognized scientist were, every on scientist pure, said, on pure Every abuse, scientist said Y2K. That's not true. Every scientist said Y2K was going to destroy every computer in 1999. Temperatures are rising. It's 65 degrees but on December is it, 15th. But is it man-made is the question. No one's denying what you're saying. Correct. Is, is it, it man-made, man-made and what do we do about well, it? Well, that's the question. You is believe it, Al Gore? Uh, Al Gore, he's, he's, he's moved off the stage a long time ago. But we'll so, see. Well, actually, we won't see because we'll all be dead. Okay. We're, we're in our closing moments here in this abridged version. So uh, closing thoughts, Stephen Hers. I, I just think that um, we have to focus on solutions we got to stop talking about every problem all day long. Maybe we'll have a new ozone layer get built. You mean like the problem with the referees? Yeah, right, exactly. Well, I have a solution. Make them full-time. It's very easy. Okay. You know, but I think our country, the New York Times in particular. Full-time, they'll work one day a week. That's a great job, All we do job, is talk way. about problems. Let's dedicate a podcast, and let's, dedicate, let's make America great again by talking about solutions. And that's why Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. I think Donald Trump is going to be, uh, I'll jump in here. The, the, I don't think he's going to be the Republican. I think Donald Trump's phenomena is that he's saying, what a lot of other people think. And you've got a president of this United States that's extremely political correct, uh, politically correct, not willing to call the enemy by its name or what it is, or even not really identify the enemy. And you've got a guy here that's willing to say what a lot of people are thinking and are too embarrassed to say. And, you know, it, it goes back to my original, you know, people can't handle the truth. Say what you want. Donald Trump speaks a version of what a lot of people think is the truth. 
and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Because the masses think it's the truth that makes it the truth. No, I think it's because someone like you, who's, who's somewhat of an elitist, just labels people the masses. And the more you call them the masses, and the New York Listen. Times tisk tisk, the more votes he gets. It just H- keeps going, H- it rolls on. As H.L. Mitchkin once said, nobody's ever gone broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public. And that's what Donald Trump's all about. That being said, I love Donald Trump because I've never been this engaged, and none of us have ever been this engaged, this early in a political race. And I think that's actually a great thing for this country. Number one. Number two, guys, it's December of 2015. The first primary is what, two months away? Last 45 days away? The first Probably primary. Last Let's look back at history and who's leading the, the race for the Republican nomination. No one's the led Democrat for six months in a row, though. So what? Let's wait until we get the first race. He's not going to get the right-wing conser- uh, religious right vote. Okay, He's twice divorced. He's got children from many different wives. He doesn't really believe in, in, in abortion. In, in, he's not really an anti-abortion fellow. That's a made-up position. Who cares position. if he doesn't? Because the people that vote in doesn't primaries matter who are not going to vote for the guy. That's no one why. cares who wins Iowa. Sorry, okay. Iowans. We'll see. Nobody cares who wins your caucus. We'll see. I will, I will bet you anything you'd like that Donald Trump will not be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. And anything I, we like is a pretty good bet. We'll think about that we'll one. We'll go offline and, and bet on it. We'll report on the next podcast. Look, bottom line is you're an elitist. You underestimate the country, according to H.L. Mencken. You think Na- anyone knows who that is? Name-calling. We're dead for years. Oh, Mr. the guy who has index cards is pulling out statistics about desertion in the War, in the eight, war of 1812 is telling me an elitist? I'm not talking over people's heads, at least. Okay, and on that note, we, uh, we thank you for listening. We look forward to the third episode of Michigas, where we are going to focus on solutions and making America great again. Thanks. Amen. Good night.